everyone. It is a sunny day in Calgary, which is not rare. I've been learning, but uh, thank God we're out of that cold stretch and rain. How many of you appreciated all that rain? I know for like nature creation, it was so important, but I was, I was a little sad when I was looking at Instagram and all my Toronto friends were complaining about how hot it was and uh, yeah sacrifice sacrifice well it's good I'm glad to be here this morning uh, I've been spending time with some of your students I've met some of them we've done a couple events um, on behalf of my senior pastors uh, Dave and Jess they would hate that I called them senior but senior pastors uh, my lead pastors Dave and Jess the Sabatino just want to say greetings good morning uh, pastor Jess is still in Ontario pastor Dave is back at home uh, and he's preaching it with our church this morning but I'm glad to be with you I feel like God has a word not just for this, this room, but for this city. And I believe that he wants to activate some things uh, this morning. And so if you would be willing to journey with me, we're going to take a look at the Old Testament and then the New Testament and then the Old Testament. I'm going to test your biblical fitness. We're going to get there. And uh, it would be great. I'm just going to pray. Um, and uh, let's just invite the Holy Spirit. He, he, he came so, so quietly and calmly, but powerfully in, in the worship service. And I just believe that he, he's paved the way already for our hearts. But let's just, let's just take a moment to be ready to receive what he has to say through his word today so that we can go and activate the things that he's called us to activate in our city. Is that, is that good? Come on. Father, I love you. And I love that I can call you Father. I love that there have been men that have gone before me that have pastored me and cared for me. I love that I have a godly representation of who you are in my home. I'm thankful for the heritage that I have. And Lord, I'm thankful for the legacy I will leave. All because you are a good father. And you are so near. And so, Lord, today I pray as we take a look at scripture and we take a look at the examples that you have set before us so that we can live lives that are worthy of the sacrifice that you made. God, I pray, as it says in Isaiah 53, that you will look upon your reward and you will be satisfied as you look at us living our lives well. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that we would have good ground to receive your word this morning. It is only you who can illuminate it. It is only you who can push us to the places that we need to go to, to serve you well. And so, God, our city needs it. And on a week like this, as it is widely known in our country, God, Calgary needs you. And so we invite you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my parents decided to call me uh, Calvin James Layton Norton Forbes. I don't know why. There's a lot of names. I just go by Calvin. Sometimes I add in the James. Um, I was named after Calvin and Hobbes, the comic strip. How many of you have seen that comic strip? Um, you know, back when it was in the newspapers, I have the, a whole collection, a, a youth group that I used to serve brought me a whole box set of it, and it's awesome. I never read it because I don't want to get it messed up. I'm a collector. Um, my uh, father's from Jamaica, and so I see I'm well represented here in this house, and welcome. Yeah, big up, big up. Um, and my mother's family is from South Africa, and so I feel very at home, like left and right here this morning. Uh, I, I coined the term c growing up. I wasn't really sure uh, where I fit. And, and in the city that I was in, there were so many different nationalities and representations of the world. So I just came up with the, the coin, uh, Jamaica-Canadian, right? And so I'm, <laughs> all of these things make up who I uh, 
And uh, I grew up in a little town. Uh, well, not a little town anymore. It's a big city, but a town called Brampton. Anyone ever heard of Brampton, Ontario, right? All of our best basketball players in the world are coming from Brampton. Uh, it was exciting times. I, I was raised there. Uh, just a quick background of my story. My, my, my great-grandfather was a church planner in Jamaica, and so he was raised by uh, um, a slave, and he never learned how to read. He never learned how to write. And one day in the mountains at 18 years old, God spoke to him, called him into ministry, taught him supernaturally how to read and write. And then he spent time pastoring and leading in the Caribbean and then came over to North America. And so my family, uh, we came over many, many, many years ago. And it's really, really, really cool to, to see where God has taken us from a disfranchised uh, people, uh, um, people who didn't have the means to do the things that they were called to do, but because of the Holy Spirit and his power, he was able to move them from here to the there and in the in-between walk out the steps as needed. And so I, I feel grateful to be here in Calgary. It was really amazing when I was 12 years old. It was the first time that I believed that God could speak. You remember the first time you heard God speak? Right? Was it maybe it was through a pastor? Maybe it was through worship service? Maybe you were reading? Maybe you were just out for a drive? I mean, my dad, he drives a TTC in Toronto, it's a Toronto Transit just getting ready to retire and go into the mission field. But one day he was driving at late at night and there were women who would take the bus every Saturday uh, and then every Sunday and they'd be telling him, young man, you need to go to church, you need to go to church, just dogging him. And he was not interested. He was living a lifestyle far away from Jesus. He actually blamed his posture towards God on his grandfather. And he said, because of the things that my grandfather did not do for our family and because of the things that he did do that were contradictory to um, and compromising to his faith because of those things I will not follow and God spoke to him one night midnight on the on the Toronto bus downtown where there's lots of people wandering around with many different voices and names in their heads right and so he's on this bus and God says to him you will not stand with your grandfather in front of me in heaven you will have to give account for your own life. And so that night, this little red Gideon Bible became his favorite thing in the world. He gave his heart to Jesus. He came home the next morning and he said, we're going to church. And we were like, what does that mean? What does it look like? And so I was about nine years old. I had some habits. I had some things that I was already into. I had some, some expectations of life. And, and Sunday was meant for sleeping in and road hockey. Come on, right? Why are we getting dressed up in these weird outfits and going to this thing called church? And so he took us on this journey journey, this brave journey, okay, leaning into what he felt like God was calling him to become, not really having a framework of what it would look like, and he said, as for me and my house, I will serve Jesus, and, and he took us on this long journey, and so I'm 12 years old, I'm sitting in the back corner of the sanctuary with my friends, I'm playing a Game Boy Color, okay, young people, that's what was, it was amazing, it was the first time video games had color, and it was portable, and your batteries died after five minutes, but I'm in the back, and I'm playing, and the pastor, and, and he was actually pastoring here in Calgary, walked up to me, he says, young man, stand up, and he called me out of my comfort in front of about 400 people, I had no idea what was going on, I thought for sure I was going to get beat when I got home, because I was outed, I, was, I had this Game Boy in my hand, shouldn't have had it at church, and he just began to call things out over my life, I had no idea who I was or who I was going to become, but he just allowed the Holy Spirit through prophecy to speak words of life over me, and it took 10 years for me to get to where he called me that I was going to be, but I got there, and fast forward 10 years, here I am in Calgary, and so Calgary has always been a, a dear place to me, it's my spiritual heritage, I've 
believe is rooted here. But as I've been here seven months now, I packed up my car in January. I fit whatever I could in it. I drove across uh, the U.S. because gas is cheaper, all right? <laughs> and I got here. And uh, as I've been surveying the land and, and enjoying creation and making new friends and carving out a new identity in ministry and in life, I, I believe that there is a prophetic calling that God is wanting to stir up again in this place. I mean, this place is known for the fires, right? And in recent years, it really has been. Like, we're known for the Calgary Flames, and we're known because things burn, right? And I, I don't love that, and I used to not really enjoy the news reports of people being moved uncomfortably because of the fires. But I believe that there's this fire that the Spirit wants to stir up in us. Again, I, I think of a week like the Calgary Stampede, and as I've been surveying and getting to know the people in this city, why are we running away? Why do we run away? I don't, I don't understand. I'm like, there's, this is the week where in our country, there is no greater moment, and I say greater in, in capacity, not in actual greatness, but there's not a moment where there's more sexual slavery and exploitation happening in our country, and the church runs away. Right? There, this is a day where there is so much this and that, and you can be here and there, and you can have this truth and that truth. There's so much wandering and wondering, and I'm wondering when is it going to be that the church wakes up and stands up and rises to the occasion, and whose stories are going to be told that on the night bus they came into obedience and alignment with Jesus because somebody was there. And who's going to be able to stand in front of crowds? And who's going to work with youth? And who's going to be able to, to get into uncomfortable and most amazing, epic places to say, man, I remember God spoke to me, and, and this is what that man said, or this is what that woman did for me. And, and we were having this meal, or I was walking through the woods, and I got a call and supernaturally became something incredibly different than I was. I believe that there's an invitation for us to come into a wake-up. And that there's a wake-up call. And, and as I think about my story and I think about sharing today, there's a, a young man named Samuel. But more than just a young man, there's an old man named Eli. And in First Samuel chapter 3 is where we are going to, to rest today. I want to take a look at what it looks like when somebody hears God for the very first time. Very, very first time. If you can, turn with me. If you got your Bibles, if not, I have a few verses that will be highlighted on the screen here because it is 2018. Thank God for technology. I had some problems with it this morning, but it's all good. It says this, the Lord meant the boy, sorry, it's called the Lord calls Samuel. Okay, that's the title. Chapter three says this, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, I asked the question, when, do you remember the first time that God called you, the, the first time that he spoke to you? Because as I've been ministering over the last 11 years, I've found more often than not that people don't actually remember or that they haven't in such a long time that they're, they're unsure if God actually spoke or they have never actually been educated. They've never been sat down by a mentor and a pastor or a family to say, here is how you hear from God for yourself. Oftentimes we invite people into our spaces and we say, this is what God is saying. And people just say, okay, right? And then they walk away and it doesn't take root. It doesn't become a part of their identity. They don't see the shift that God is wanting to do in their life. And so in this day, it says that Samuel is ministering 
for the Lord, okay, before God, but under Eli. And so we see very quickly that he is serving men on behalf of God, but he does not know the God that is calling to him because he hasn't heard his voice and he hasn't seen a vision. Come on, how many of you believe that God can still speak and that he can still give us visions? I believe it. I'm I'm calling it. We're going to pray for that today. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, here I am. You called me? Like, I'm here. Eli, what's up, man? It's late at night. We're laying here. What's happening? What is going on? And Eli's like, I didn't do that. Never called you. You ever get that feeling in your pocket when you feel like your phone went off and you pull it out and you look and there's no message there? You just, right? It's, it's, it's one of those moments. He's like, what, what are you talking about? I've, I felt it. I heard it. Like I definitely, without a doubt, have been prompted. There is no one else here. Who else could it be? And so you have this young man who's growing up, let's say for our sake, in, in this building he's growing up in the church he's serving in the church he's by the elements of God represented within the building okay the thing that would lead people that would lead people out of out of the wilderness before he was even a thought and this journey that God took the Israelites on the the ark of the temple is there the covenant is there and the things that are within that are around him it says that the the fire of the Lord is still not gone out Right? And so he's, he's literally sleeping in the church as a servant unto man without a relationship with God. What a day we live in and where we could all identify at least one pe- person, if not ourselves, that is constantly, constantly, constantly doing the work of the church but not in relationship with Jesus. Like, I mean, how many people, it's the Bible, if we believe that the Bible is true and that Jesus, what he did was real, if you and I are called to establish the kingdom of heaven, that we are literally lamps on a stand that, that, that can't be hidden, that we're, we are the, the representation of heaven in our workplaces, in our homes, in the cities, and wherever we walk, wherever we go, that people should be able to recognize that there is something different about our lives. What does it look like when we actually step into an understanding and a posture that God is speaking to us, that he's speaking through us, and that he, he is able to be found. I love that it says this in, in, uh, in Acts, where it says that Paul is speaking to the people of the Areopagus, right? And, and he's philosophizing, and he begins to call out to them, and he says this. He says, God has placed you in the cities that he has placed you in, not for naught. That, that this is the hope of heaven, that you would call out to him, that he would find you, and that you'd be satisfied. But then also in that, as you call to him and you come into context with him, that it will invite the people that are the audience of your life into an understanding of who he is because you are called to preach the gospel to them, to live in such a way that they would look and they would say, give us a reason for your hope. You have been placed perfectly where you have been put but my question today is are you hearing God for you are you living out the vision that he has given you for your life or are you merely just attending the kingdom of heaven and its services and its happenings like like can you identify 
when God spoke to you. And so they have this game where Samuel goes back to bed and he lays down and he's, he's again, he's in the church. He's in the, the, around the elements of his faith. And God calls him again, Samuel, Samuel. And, and, and he jumps up and he runs and he, he gets Eli. He says, hey, hey, I'm here. I did it. Why are you playing this game with me? I don't understand. Why do you keep calling me? And, and, and Eli, he's just like, what are you talking about? Go back to bed. Like, leave me alone. I did not call you. And we see this odd engagement as you continue to read through. And then a third time, Samuel, Samuel. Come on, how many of you are thankful for a persistent God? I mean, you think, well, that, that God just continues to dog you over and over and over again. It's not to manipulate you and it's not to put you into a box, but he actually wants to liberate you. He wants to expand your understanding of who you are and why you are here and what difference it makes. And so he says, I have something that I need to get to you, Samuel, and I don't want you just to listen to Eli. I don't want you just to serve the church. I want you to have a relationship with me so that you can go and do something about it. And so he says, Samuel, get up. And Samuel runs, and he's like, what's up, Eli? What are you doing? And Eli's like, no, I think this is the Lord. I think you need to, right? How he did not pastor this young man, I do not know. But he says, you need to go and lay down. And the next time that God calls you, what you need to do is say, your servant is listening. Okay, your servant is listening. And so we see some mentorship happening. And so God calls, and Samuel finally, he doesn't jump up. He doesn't run around with his head cut off. He just says, yes, Lord. Yes? You calling? It's me. It's Samuel. Who are you? I've been in the church. And I've I've been attending. I've been serving. I've been sweeping floors. And I've been making sure that that lamp never runs out. I've definitely dusted that Bible. I I definitely helped out at VBS. I've been doing things. But I don't know who you are. So, So what do you want? to say to me. He says, Samuel, come on. I want to come near you. And as the Bible says, so descriptively, he says, and the Lord came near. I'm thankful that God is not distant. I'm thankful that he's not calling from the cosmos and just, hey, you guys, right? That he's, he's walking it out with us. No matter our situation or circumstance, one of the things I love about Jesus and his journey with the boys and, and some of the girls that we are introduced to in Scripture is that, that he's just always near them. And even when they are far, and even when they're going through some seeming chaos, that, that Jesus always just knows exactly what to say, and that he's not writing a letter to them, but he actually just speaks. He just speaks right to that thing. He's not passive-aggressive. He's not like, you're going to learn your lesson, and then you'll come to me. Right? He just immediately meets them. Like, like Peter, he, he begins to sink. He's walking in a miracle. He begins to sink. He it doesn't say he's drowning. It doesn't say that he's close to drowning. It doesn't say that he's fully immersed. It says that he begins to sink and he calls out for help and then Jesus restores him. I'm thankful that we don't need to hit rock bottom. I'm thankful that our city doesn't need to hit a great, great grave before God can respond. But if we begin to educate and we begin to, to stand out and we begin to stand up in such a way that they could recognize that he is active in their workplace, that he's active on their their, their um their train, that, they, that he's active in their grocery store, that, that perhaps they would reach out and they would find him. And I believe God is calling us to wake up. Like when, when I look at Peter, and Peter's like, I will never betray you. I, I love you, Jesus. You will not have to die. And Jesus is like, well, I have to die or else I can never be your savior, so stop talking. I know you're a very ambitious young man, but I love you, so let me tell you something. Satan wants to destroy you. This is a conversation that Peter and Jesus have. Jesus looks at him and he says, Satan wants to destroy you, Peter. Wake up call. It's been fun. 
You've had some great adventure with me. You've had miracle sandwiches. You've walked on water. You've done incredible things. I am proud of you. But there is an enemy of your soul, and he has just asked permission to sift you out like wheat. And I'm going to let him. He doesn't say that, but read between the lines. He says, but I'm praying for you, Peter. Praying for you. Come on. Jesus praying for me? What an incredible thing. He says, Peter, I'm praying for you that, that, that through this in, this, in this time, that your faith won't fail. Because you're going to want to run and hide. And you're going to be disappointed. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Because he wants to beat you and he wants to shake you to the point that you are no longer who you were. He's going to turn you into a completely different substance if you allow him. But if you do not let your faith fail, because I am praying for you, through this thing, you'll encourage others. Hey, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. I don't know where you're at in, in navigating your life and in navigating your family and navigating your responsibilities. But I just want to let you know that when you call out to Jesus, he is calling back. That in your circumstance, he is praying. And the Bible tells me over and over and over and over again that he is not far, that he's not hiding, that he is quite near. He is here. I believe that when scripture says where two or three are gathered, he's in the midst, that he has been in the building before you woke up. I believe where it says he inhabits the praises of his people, that the things that we feel and begin to sense are more than just emotions and they're more than just noise. That I believe that the spirit is hovering and he's waiting to be activated, just like in the beginning when it says, God said, let there be light and there was. The spirit is hovering and he is here and he is available to wake us up, to call us to who we're going to become. What I love that he says to this young man is this. As we continue to read down, the Bible says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The Lord had not been revealed to him. But in verse 8, it says, The Lord called Samuel a third time. Samuel got up and he said, You call me. And Eli's, Eli realized it was the Lord. He says, Go and speak to him. And go down to verse 11. It says this. As the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Come. Let us speak. Let me show you things that you could never dream of. Let me introduce you to who I am. I am the one who created you in your mother's womb. Samuel, what I want you to do is I don't want you to pick up the broom right now. I need you to stop working. I need you to just stop filling gaps. I need you to stop pining. You're not just serving a man. You are going to serve me. And I'm going to use you because there is a whole nation that is waiting to hear the things that you have to say. There's a whole classroom young person that is being curated right now. And you have like six weeks to get ready for what God wants to do in your school. And you'll be remembered for your, your grades, sure. You'll be remembered for your athletics. Amazing. I was remembered as a class clown and a domino champion in the cafeteria. That's amazing. That's great. There's, it's cool to have life. It's cool to, to live with fun. But one of the greatest regrets that I have is that through my whole high school career, five years and a bit, because I just didn't pass right away, <laughs> my greatest regret is this. I never shared my faith because I never had one. I didn't share my faith, not because I was afraid, but because I didn't have one. I didn't share my faith because I attended services and I, I went to camp and I, I, I knew who to hang out with and I knew the right songs to sing. I knew the right things to do around the right people. But I didn't actually wake up to the thing that God was calling me to become. I had a word from a man and I've, I found responsibility and I found favor in doing things that people asked me to do, but I did not make it 
my own. Did not wake up to the call. And my biggest regret is that at a time that I was in the greatest mission field of my life, where there were not people who, who were unlike me, but everyone was like me. We were going through the same things, studying the same topics, playing in the same arenas. I could only wish I could go back. But I'm thankful for a God who redeems. I'm thankful for a God that says, that's who you used to be, but this is who you're going to become. And, and if we start now, if you get up now, if you listen to the call now, then you will begin to do things that the world just can't imagine. Calgary needs to hear what I have to say. And when you get ready, their ears will tingle. Come on, how many of you want to be used by God in an incredible way, not for your sake, but for the city that we live in? Come on, I'm excited about what God is doing here. I, I, I came out to visit in December. I, I sensed that God was moving here. I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to look like. I had no promise of employment. I just packed my car and I drove. I believed that there was a, a couple that I could serve and that there was a city I could learn from and lean into. But I just believe that God is wanting to do a little bit more than we are giving him any kind of credit for, as if we've limited him to this, as, as if we've limited him to daily bread devotions, as if, as if he's afraid of the world that we are confronted by. Come on, I have a God that, that moves mountains. I have a God that says that when you go into cities, they will be afraid, and they will not be afraid because of what you're going to do to them, but you're gonna, they're going to be afraid of what is going to happen to the people in that city. See, when the young men, it says in Acts, they would walk into cities, it says that the rulers would say that the city was turned upside down. Can you imagine if your youth, our youth, our young people, could you imagine if the mayor of the city started saying, uh, what's going on up there at uh, Iman Road up at the end of the tracks? Because whenever those kids come into town, like when they show up to school, there's a, there's a revolution happening. Like things are changing. Like what, why is it that there's a certain segment of the population that happens to congregate up there, when, which seems far away from downtown? It's not far. I'm, I'm from Toronto. So, right? Like what, what is happening up there that is making everything about our city and system change? I had an opportunity a few years ago to go to Cuba, and we... We were illegal. We, we were smuggling Bibles and Bible college material into a city called San Fuegos, right? And, and I had never heard of that. I'd only ever heard of Havana, right? And, and it was because it was in music videos, right? And so my context of what Cuba was and what, what was up there, what God was doing was unknown to me. And so we show up and it says, they told us, we have not seen a missionary here in 28 years. It's like, what? What? And they said, the only Bibles we have are the ones that were left for us by people who don't live on the planet anymore. And, and we've been sharing this Bible. It's been going around our villages for, for years and years and years. And sometimes you can go months without having it. So we have to memorize as much as we can or write down. But most of us can't write because we're nowhere. And so we're walking around and we visited 18 churches in five days. And we began to just pastor and minister to, to some of the pastors. We worked with a presbyter. And one of the nights, because we, we were informed to pray with our eyes open because we might be imprisoned, right? Like we were there for vacation, but we weren't. And so we would have to sit at the hotels with our eyes wide open and be like, thank you, Jesus, for this food, right? Forgive me for not blessing it first, right? And, and so we, we were on alert, and, and we were told that there are spies everywhere that we were going. We actually visited one couple. He was 23. She was 19. They had their first child, and he was running a church out of his house, and the army 
okay? Not just like neighborhood punks. The army was just in, ripped everything off of his wall. His wife is bawling in the room. The kid's crying. Things are broken. And we're like, we come back tomorrow? He's like, no, this is where the Lord stays. And we will not be afraid because if we shrink back, then this community will not know that this is a place that is not afraid of what might come. They, they fear God more. Right? And so we had a church service right in his living room. It was one of the most amazing things. And then that night, we showed up to a house, and we were told, again, that there are people watching f- to see you slip up. Do not make a mistake. And so as we were ministering, we just kind of lost the fear. We just believed that the Spirit of God was with us. But we're on top of this rooftop, and all of a sudden, this band starts going off. And there are probably 60, 70 people at the top of their lungs, singing songs that I didn't know the words to, but because, you know, the Spirit of God is universal, we were able to sing along, and Hillsong is the same everywhere, so you pick up the tune, right? And so we're on the rooftop about to preach, and I'm losing my mind, like, we're going to jail tonight, that we are never going back, I don't know how to pronounce this place, and, um, and, and people started pouring in from the street, we're like, what is happening? And the pastor laughed and he says, we don't have anything to fear. He says, the government can't stop this. He says, they're confused by this. They're afraid of this only because if they throw us in jail, it will heal the criminals. He says, the government has recognized that there is a soft revolution happening, but we are the best citizens. We are the best servants of the land. We are the most honest with our taxes. We are the most faithful in our work. They can't stop us because we're full of the spirit and nobody can stop what God is going to do. And I believe that God is wanting to call us into this, that, that, that he is literally waking us up out of slumber to move us to places that just will not be able to contain what he is doing. Just not be able to contain it. I want to pose a question today as we, we come to a close here. Who's leading your life? Like, who's leading it? See, I, I grew up in an in a, in a, in a area where everyone was very religious. Very, very religious. We had a lot of Sikhs. We had a lot of Buddhists. We had a lot of Muslim people. And so to, to have faith was not, uh, not weird, right? Like, you just kind of did your thing, and, and I would do my thing. And, and one of the things that I used to hear my friends say a lot and some of my cousins was, well, my pastor said this. Now, how many of you love Pastor Roy and Pastor Marilyn? Come on. That's not good enough. Like, come on. How many of you love your pastors? Show your appreciation. That's good. You know, what, what, what I love about it is, is the dedication that you've had to this place for so many years. And as we were talking in pre-service, just you, the, the Father's heart as you're pastoring this group of people. I, I, I hope that you pray for this man and his wife. I, I, I hope that you really do support him. I hope that, that you're like, like her who... W- you just come into a context of the needs of your leader without having been asked. You just walk up the mountain and you hold his hands up while he's praying. Right? I, I hope that you were the kind of people that would serve your pastors in that way. But I wonder, is it his faith that is propelling you to be who you are or is it, is it yours? Is it, is it his words on a Sunday? Is it, is it your favorite podcast? Is it the book that you read a few years ago? Is it, is it your favorite friend at church? Or is, is, it, is it Jesus that has become so intimately known to you that, that you just cannot leave who he's called you to be? You see, because there's people who will fail you in life. I've had leaders who are no longer leaders anymore, and some of them have even faced prison time. There have been people that I have walked through life with that, that have compromised in their, in their leading 
and it happens, and we are frail, and, and I believe that there is grace, and I know that for every Samson, there, there are more who are not Samson. But I've learned that if we do not lean into what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives in that day, that we can easily default to things that we just are not called to. Come on, how many of you know what I'm saying? Right? Like we, we are broken people. I have a sweater, and it says I'm human after all, and I got convicted about wearing it the other day because I'm like, but I'm more than that. I'm more than just a natural thing that is dictated by its tendencies. I, I'm more than just something that exists that, that just merely popped up. I, I'm a creation. I am a created being that was perfectly placed and positioned to be used by God. See, when I walk through the, the mountain and I'm looking at all these trees and I'm like, wow, fresh air. I know Oakville is going to be a little. Yeah. Fresh air. Wow. There's a ram. And as I begin allowing God to shift my mentality and that I'm not just natural. I'm not just a thing because. And, and this, whenever we look at nature, we, we see something that must be conquered. And we try really hard and we grip it and, and we manipulate it and we turn it into what we want it to do. Come on, how many of you have a hard time wrestling with who you are and who you want to become? Because you're fighting nature. The Bible talks about that, that there's a sin nature. But if we could allow God to begin to speak to us and identify within us that we have been created specifically for such a purpose as this, it's really hard to not admire the beauty of what we are looking at. You see, if we just think of people being people, the audience of our life and background noise, then we never actually tune into the fact that God has a message for them. And perhaps today is going to be the day that they have the Samuel moment. They say, man, I have heard about God. I have seen the church. I have seen great things. I've seen terrible things. I am in the awareness of who God could be. But today, because of you, I'm going to lean into his voice. And because I've leaned into his voice, now I have an identity. And I'm not merely just something that is prone to vices, but I'm actually a person that has got incredible potential, and I am perfectly moving into who I'm to be. I believe God wants us to wake up. See, it's easy to be churchy, and it's easy to serve the church incredibly well. It does not mean that we have relationship. My last thought is this. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Come on, how many of you believe in your natural self that you could cast a demon out? How many of you in your natural self believe that you could literally prophesy and unlock things of heaven in someone's life? Not naturally. It's not natural. Only people that are moving through the Spirit who have authority in, in the realm, the unseen. Only those people have the ability to establish the kingdom of heaven here. What I love is heaven is not a distant place, this utopia that we get to go to one day, but that, that as in Calgary, as it is in heaven, is a potential for our lives if we are yielded to what God is doing. Because many will say to me, did we not do the work? Did we not show up? Were we not faithful? Did, did, did we not work hard? Look at the sacrifices that we made. Look at the things that we have done that have allowed other people to experience your presence, Jesus. Come on, how could you say that you do not know us? I will say them plainly. I never knew you. 
go away, evildoer. Now, I don't know the Aramaic, and I can't break this down for you in Greek. But what I do know is this, that it's a matter of intimacy. That it is not enough just to be in the room. It's not enough just to be in the family. It's everything, everything, everything to have an intimate conversation with the creator of your life, the savior of your soul on a daily basis. Come on, with heads bowed just around this room, I just want to pray. I don't want to belabor this thought. But how many of you would say, with no one looking around, it's not on behalf of me, it's not on behalf of your pastors, because we want to pray for you. How many of you would say this? I think I need to get back to the voice of God. I think I've been relying on systems and structures and past moments and memories. I, I think I've been caught up busying myself with the work of the church, but I've, I've, lost, I've lost a sense of where Jesus is in my day. I, I've become unfamiliar with his voice for my right now. It's, it's been a while, or maybe it's never been that I actually ever got a vision and a word for my workplace. I don't even know how to lead my family. I, I, need, I need a vision and a word for my family. How many of you would just hands raised? Today, I need a fresh revelation of God and his love for me. I need a fresh word for the things that I see. I need eyes of heaven so that I can build it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being busy, and I'm tired of running away. I want to step in to all that God has called me to do. Father, you saw those hands and you know these hearts. You are so near and I am so glad. What great news that we could say we in ourselves are not adequate, but we are dependent on you today. Lord, I pray that we would have moments that we would be waking up out of our sleeps, that we would be so privileged to be invited by you to have dialogue as to what our city needs and needs to look like. God, I pray that you would give us words for those that we love most. Let us never be like Eli, who is content to tell people what to do, but never introduce them to the, to the life-changing power of your presence. Let us never be like Eli, who chooses not to pull alongside young men and women and mentor them into hearing the word of God. Let us not be ones that would subscribe merely to podcasts and church services and not ever read your word so that it could speak to our hearts. Let us not be a generation of people remembered in the world for being apathetic about your lack of presence in our cities. I believe you're calling us to wake up, Lord. Let us not get to that day and meet you as a stranger where you would say to us, you did the busy work of the church, but you did not do the work of my kingdom. Challenge us, lead us, love us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if worship team, you want to come back up and lead us. I want to say thank you for allowing me to share and speak into your lives today. It's a privilege. And uh, oh, the places you will go. The great Dr. Sue said it. But I just wonder who will be impacted by the message of your life because of the private moments that you had with Jesus in the coming weeks. Let it never be said that the church of Calgary runs away from the stampede ever again. But that that would be the week that we would see salvation. And as they go to everywhere that they go, whole, 
that their cities would know that Jesus is up to something, that there's a fire brewing in this church. Amen? Come on. Thank you.